down the far side, got a man open to the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of hands. Lehman showing blitz. There's the blitz. Yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champion. Alright, guys, welcome to the Bud Berry Beer and Bob podcast. I already mixed it up, Steven. I said the bug I said beer after before Bob. You know, it's the four B's. I, I start with beer first. You know, starting with beer first is a good idea. Are, are you are drinking anything today? Have you had anything to drink? I'm drinking today? a Celsius. Has, has it been a tough day? Are you are you are you are you like super tired now? I'm not. Well, I didn't sleep a lot last night. I went to bed at like three. On accident. That's a health. That's a healthy time. And I woke up at eight. So I've just been pounding Celsius all day. <laughs> what kind of Celsius is it? Is it is it? This like is a. Watermelon? Uh, it's an orange, sparkling orange. I'm sure your it's... liver uh, and kidneys. Thank you. Well, they're used to it by now. Are you are you like using like Pedialyte to, like, or like water or to count? No, that? I got a water bottle now that says like you should drink at like 9 p.m., 7 a.m. Yeah. That kind of thing. Do you so actually? Do you actually get it done? No, I'm usually six hours behind, and then I just try to catch up all at once. Yeah, that's the way to do it, you know. That's the way to do it. And that and the other and there's another co-host joining us this evening. Uh Justin Peabody from uh we're friends from the Uncontested Podcast or an OKC podcast, but also you guys might know him much better as Sooner Tracker on Twitter. Uh has all the uniform combinations. And Justin, before I get started, I need to know what your uh, favorite uniform combination has ever been and how Sooner Tracker kind of got started. Wow. Okay. Um, are we talking football specifically? Favorite uniform sure. combination? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, you threw the word ever out there. So I'm going to take advantage of that. Okay. I go think, for it. I think the old uh, 1966 uniforms. It was the first year that OU had the interlocking OU on the helmet under Coach McKenzie. Uh, it was the like rounded OU before the one that we know today. Mm -hmm. It was the first year they switched from white helmets to the red helmets with the OU, like so iconic. Uh, McKenzie's story is super cool too. Like, I, I just love that look. So I'm going, I'm going deep in the bag for favorite combo, favorite modern combo. I really like the cream Rough Riders. I'm a, I, I really I tend, I tend to skew traditional, but like the all cream, either with the cream helmet or the red helmet. I think it's really nice. I think it's Was a nice that the? Look. Didn't they play like in cream against Kansas? They did. They did all cream against Kansas. Uh, they did it against Baylor, and then they've worn the red helmet with the all cream. They did that in the Big Twelve title against Texas, which was again. It's hard to separate the uniform from the memories, and so that that was both. It looked good, and it had a lot of good memories. That's um, fair. as far as how Sooner Tracker got started. 
it was i've always been into uniforms other schools had uniform trackers like oregon obviously mm-hmm. oh, um, god geez i remember playing <laughs> ncaa just yes. for all the uniforms exactly or like my created teams on ncaa like i had some mad hawaii tech fits for my created school back in the day um no what but kinda, i i always kinda, wanted to do one what kind of act score do you have to get into hawaii tech oh you know it was a it was like <laughs> smu of the 80s we were okay. much more concerned about other things than academics sure um, 1.5 usually <laughs> get you in um i always wanted to do it i was into it but like there wasn't much to track until the rough riders were announced which is almost 10 years ago just kind of crazy it's been a minute um so once that happened i started started tracking it i actually started on tumblr shout out anyone oh, that had a tumblr. oh goodness <laughs> and uh i think i did that for a year and then moved over to twitter where things have been much better oh wow tumblr i've not tumblr, been man. on that app in a long time and <laughs> is it does it still exist i think it might. i I thought I think the website still exists. How about that? And as far as the Rough Riders, when they first came out, wasn't the public opinion not necessarily great of them because it was like yeah. the bring the wood situation? I hated them when they first came out, transparently. But I was like, I I like uniforms. Like this gives me an excuse to post uniform stuff. They'd also sure. just done the gold trimmed uniforms for the Red River rivalry the year before. Yeah. So I was like, this is my in. I hated them. I think they're better <laughs> since they moved to Jordan. They're still mm-hmm. not my fave. Uh, I think they can do better. I think a school like Florida and a school like Ohio State, I think they do really good jobs. Teams that have like a lot of history wear throwbacks. Oh, you should be wearing throwbacks every year. Do it for homecoming. Designate somebody you honor, like when they did like the Steve Owens game yeah, sure. a couple years ago. Wear Steve Owens uniforms for that game. Like people would eat that up. And OU has enough history; they could do that for many, many, many years. Yeah, just wear jerseys with Mex the dog on them. I'd yes. be fine with that. No Throw number Mex on a whatsoever. Helmet. Why yeah. not? No number whatsoever. Just Mex the dog <laughs> as the jersey. Um, but we have some football to talk, and people are stupid on Twitter. Uh, I mean, like, what what else is new these days? I mean, you know, um, because Oklahoma missed out on a very prestigious defensive line commit, all of course, as you would, as you guys would imagine, message boards started to melt down, and then as they melt down, they melt down the most glorious of ways, and people started questioning Brent Venables and his are you fully committed commit approach Um, and whether or not that's a hindrance to the program and the way recruiting goes, especially in 2022, 23, 24, yada, yada. Um, Steven, what are your thoughts on that? What are your, what are your thoughts on people being upset? spaghetti about Brent Venables commit approach. Are you talking specifically Zadavian Sims or just like the no commit until you're done visiting? I think both. As far as the approach for like the visits, I don't really mind it. I, it kind of makes sense. Like, you can even just be like a silent friend, like, hey, you know, you're the school I want to go to, but I want to take four other visits. And that's cool because they're all paid for. I don't blame recruits for that. So, I mean, I don't think it really changes things. I mean, I guess in some instances, a commitment you might feel 
more implied to stick with your your commitment than if you do like a ticket visit to say Clemson and now you're between OU and Clemson if you're uncommitted. But I feel mm-hmm. like that's a rare thing. So sure. I don't think the commitment really means too much. I think the signature on NIL or NIL and uh, national letter intent, that kind of stuff, that means a lot more. I don't think really commitment in today's modern recruiting really means too much. And Justin, what do you think about his whole approach just in general? Like, do you believe that that is effective because people were used to Bob Stoops and just having no national signing day one and just having the national signing day in February, whenever it is. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's why he was always a late, you know, bloomer as far as recruiting rankings. And that's why they fell down the track. And that's why, you know, talent got not as good. Um, and then they went to Lincoln Riley, who gets all these commitments in the summer uh, and commitments for like, you know, two years ahead of time in the summer. Um, and every, the, the class is pretty much filled out by what? September, October, November, by the latest. It's usually September, and, October. And then uh, now it's uh, Brent and he will take several recruits at any time uh, and to where even he's maybe even over the scholarship limit. And so what, do you, what are your thoughts on his entire recruiting philosophy? Because it's definitely not Lincoln Riley, but it's definitely not Bob Stoops. No, I, I you know, you, you can't knock it until it stops working. And I think that's that's what you're seeing with this reaction. Um, fans are always looking to poke holes in something, uh, to find a scapegoat, to find the reason why something happened. And when something goes wrong, anything that's like not normal, that's out of the ordinary that everybody else isn't doing is where they're going to go first. So for Brent, it's the, well, he has this policy and it's running kids off and you can't, you can't compete with everybody else. Like, okay, if that stops working long-term, if you, if your recruiting does fall off, maybe you need to take a look at that, but can you base that off one recruit? I don't think so. It it was the same with Lincoln, right? He had very different recruiting policies. And when it's working, you're like, oh, this is great. What a breath of fresh air. And then when it stops working, it's like, ah, oh, Riley, like get a real commitment, you know, like stop mm-hmm. playing fast and loose with this, like hold these kids accountable. And it, the narrative just swings based off what direction recruiting is going. So I think it's hard. It's hard for fans to be objective about anything, but uh, recruiting fans in general, I think you, you could be swayed so much by whether the commitments are coming in or whether they're going out. And I think everything looks good and you feel great about the philosophy um, when they're coming in trying to look at it objectively um, as much as you can. I, it's interesting, right? Like it, right. with the way, like Steven was saying, with the way commitments are used nowadays, a lot of times it's like an insurance policy, right? You commit early. So you have an offer because you blow out your knee in your senior season. And then all of a sudden all your offers disappear. But if you've committed, you know, you've got that still going for you. It's hard to kind of reconcile that with Brent's policy a little bit just because of how kids are using offers. But from the flip side, I get it from the school standpoint, right? It it works the same way. You don't want somebody that's holding up a spot on your on your scholarship list, on your commitment list, and is actively flirting with Texas A&M like we saw so many times under Lincoln Riley. So I I get it from both sides. I think you, you have to wait and see does this work out or does it become, you know, a sticking point on the recruiting trail at which point maybe you take a look at it. And what do we think about, especially the types of players that Riley went after in comparison to Brent? I mean, 
Brent is definitely going after the best defensive recruits per usual. He's going, they're going after um, offensive personnel that fit their scheme. Of course, you know, a quarterback that has a cannon for an arm. Uh, you got fast receivers on the outside. Don't necessarily have to learn a route tree. That's too extensive. So that's good for them. Uh, obviously offensive line kind of remains the same under, under Bill Biedenboe. And then you're a mix of bag of, of running backs. But it feels like Brent Venables is sure, you know, advocating for and recruiting for his strengths specifically uh, on offense and defense, but also finding those three-star, not even like borderline four-star, three-star niche role players that it felt like Lincoln Riley never really tried to do. Uh, felt like, especially on defense, when they had to transfer, get a ton of transfers in, uh, yearly, especially on the defensive line, and that's why Oklahoma's in the position it is now, uh, still relying on transfers on the defensive line. Do we think about what kind of model that suggests about Lincoln's coaching philosophy? I mean, that his several of his players, most notably his quarterbacks, I mean, Spencer Rattler, Baker Mayfield, you could say, because he was under his tutelage. Uh, now Caleb Williams, who's probably the best quarterback we've ever seen play uh at OU we just saw his freshman year and it's probably gonna be the best player we've seen in quite some time uh there's a maturity issue as well um and they does it doesn't also seem like USC has many of those functional role players that are very niche like a Brody Eldridge uh that became some somewhat more of a role player uh, an advanced role player if you will the man played like three positions guard tight end wide wide receiver center whatever i don't know uh he played several what do we think about that in comparison to what also riley was doing while still at ou and justin i'm going to come back to you on this one yeah i it's very interesting look riley was obviously more enamored by the stars and right stars are not irrelevant stars do matter despite what some may say like they're there for a reason um, but I think forsaking everything else in favor of stars is where you find yourself in trouble. And how many times did we see that where we would get so excited about a recruit that came in highly touted, tons of stars, highly ranked at their position nationally, you mean like all the last wide receivers that we saw. <laughs> yeah. And then what would happen Would some of them wouldn't even play it down. Some, some would even would... pistol whip somebody. <laughs> some, some... Brick killed a guy. Um, I, like it's, it's tough, right? It's tough to reconcile those two things. And it felt like a common theme under right. Riley that you would have stars everywhere, but also look undermanned, have guys transferring out all the time or getting in trouble or getting suspended. And then Riley himself, the irony complaining about lack of talent walking into every playoff as the, you know, least talented team yet he was chasing stars all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they, they do matter. Brent knows they matter. There's clearly a difference in philosophy though, where you're not necessarily putting it all on the recruiting rankings. You're not putting it all on, on the position rankings. You're, you're not laying it all on the table in that respect. There are other things that are being evaluated or else those three-star guys are not getting as much attention. I don't necessarily think it is a we're settling for those guys. I think they sure. see something there that they're pursuing. 
um, obviously, you know, you, you hope to get the best guys in the door possible, but there's, there's definitely a clear difference in the way that Brent and co are approaching it than what's been in Norman the last few years. Steven, same question. And do you also think this is a reason why that Brent is investing more in Oklahoma prospects in general? The Oklahoma thing, I think is just, it's just a smart move. Like you're going to have talent in Oklahoma eventually. Uh, I think the talent's gotten a lot better, especially if you look at the next year's class, the 2025 class, it's pretty stacked as far as in-state talent there. So it's, it's smart to start trying to build that fence around your state, kind of like what LSU does. Um, other than they're the only school in that, that comp or that state. Uh, but as far as Brent's approach, I think they look at it as, I don't want to say like Riley kind of dismissed personality, but I think he looked past some character issues. Like at Perry on Winfrey, who is obviously a very talented football player, but everybody knew Perry on Winfrey had some, some issues coming out of Juco. Uh, as Nebraska went a little, little crazy there. So, what, what did what what did he do recently? What happened? Remind me. I think it was. Oh, I don't know. He got in a little bit of violence, maybe. Yeesh. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Some no sort way of no. nothing good. Nothing good came of it. But Brent looks at guys that are, I think, are football players first. I don't think he looks at them as athletes. Whereas Riley looked at a guy like Jaden Hazelwood, a tremendous athlete, but maybe not the best football player. Hmm. Right? Can he dunk? Uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> it really only works out if it's like uh, demarco murray right yep jumping in the, the basketball court and just offering yeah. that day so but <laughs> that rarely pays off whereas brent you look at a guy like pj Adabare, he saw uh, this guy's a football player right away i think he just was a three-star when when you offered him ended up being mm-hmm. a five-star so it's just a different philosophy it works out for both ends obviously lincoln riley's had some tremendous success yep um brent's also had a success on the defensive side so it's two different philosophies. I think one, you kind of saw the ceiling at Oklahoma, whereas this one, we're kind of trying to explore where that is. Yeah, sure. It's like two totally different visions about how programs have been run. And I mean, one guy has won multiple national titles at uh, different schools. And one guy has had the opportunity to, and has uh, not done so much Uh Speaking of, uh, we were Justin and I were chatting before the uh, the podcast about uh, Oklahoma Twitter. The University of Oklahoma football Twitter asked about what their favorite Sooner Magic moment was, and Joe Glastiglione Jr. Uh, tweeted uh, quote tweeted it with the thirty one to fourteen Georgia score before Riley decided to uh, squib the kick. So that's sure. a that's a fun memory. That's Still a, hurts. Great troll by uh, Josie's uh, Ju- Josie Jr. So, Josie anyways, no, he is the best walk-on football player. But, jeez, <laughs> you know, hey, I hey, love him on Twitter. You, 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 if, and if you're listening, you can come on the podcast anytime, and Steve probably won't say that. So, <laughs> just throw it out there. Um, I thought we'd do some a something pretty cool, a decent entry exercise, if you will. Um. Uh, my t- my year as a teacher is almost done. Um, praise Jesus. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, man, they're they're fifteen. They're fifteen, and you know when it's May, sometimes that deodorant it doesn't Game work over. as well. Yeah, it doesn't work as well. And um, so I thought we would rank position groups by side of the ball, and then after maybe select our top three. What we think are the top three position groups. So I grouped them into these ways: offense, simple quarterback. 
running back that can entail uh fullbacks as well uh tight ends um you're looking at also flex uh in the backfield i think that's a that's a fair kind of looking uh thing to look at a tight end wide receivers obvious uh and i want to differentiate between the tackles in the interior offensive linemen and then for the defense uh linebackers yep their own cornerbacks Felt like safety slash cheetah was fair enough. I uh, didn't want to put them because the cheetah is pretty much everywhere, but is more along the lines of a safety slash linebacker. But those more like a. I felt like Deshaun White made a lot of tackles as like a secondary last year. Um, defensive tackle and the defensive end edge because they are on the def- on the defensive line. So, what would you rank these and? There, there's there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of youth, specifically on the offense, and a little bit some a little bit on the defense as well. Specifically on the offense, how would you rank these in order from best or most confident? It depends on what your I guess ranking rubric is. Are you are you gonna rank it as far as like what you know is there, or are you gonna rank it based upon what you think will be there? I suppose is something that plays into this, but. Steven, how would you sort these out in order? Or, or, or what would you be your top three of these? Top three? three I'll go by floor. Game. I think safest floor is the, the best bet here. Okay. Um, I think quarterback, you know what you have in Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, this is assuming he stays healthy, but that would be number one for me. Dylan Gabriel plays pretty good. He can win you a football game. He's just not going to go out and just light the world on fire. So. Uh, but I think it's a very safe bet at quarterback interior offensive line. I think I'm pretty confident there as well. Um, really the only question mark would be probably Andrew Rame. Like, can he just, is he going to get stronger over the off season? Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to um, stay on the field? Over the off- is he going to stay on the field? <laughs> is he going to fun rumors? So. <laughs> um, yeah. Golly. Probably not but a good I idea. There's a lot of talent Brent. there. It's probably like I think you could yell back at Riley. That might be another thing. That might be another conversation. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Brent, maybe we'll not do so e- much. extra extra yoga for you later, young man. Holy, <laughs> Benny Wiley's gonna play a little volleyball with you in the uh, athletic cool thing they got feeling there. But uh, making sure they play Beethoven in the back. Good grief! But yeah, interior de- or offensive line, I think is pretty safe. Um, and I'll go also offensive tackle i think walter rouse uh pretty good addition i think we know what we got um there and then tyler guyton as well obviously tremendous mm-hmm. upside probably a little more question mark as far as consistency but sure. um i think he'll take the next step uh justin what about you i'm gonna start with where we're different and i'm gonna say running backs Ooh, um that's betting fun. betting on potential right it's a little bit more unknown um, I loved what I saw from Javon, Javante Barnes last year. Like he is just a wrecking ball that I think could could have a huge year. I think it, in any scenario where OU successful this year, it's because Javante Barnes lives up to what his potential could be. The flashes we saw last season, if he can do that consistently this season, OU is going to feel pretty good about themselves. He almost felt like Trey Sermon before Trey Sermon decided yeah. to try to like slow his yeah, game a little down. Bit. Just yeah, like run through that's a good people. comparison. And I love Sawchuck. I love, uh, I, 
I I love the potential of Marcus Major. This is where the potential comes in. Like I love the idea of Marcus Major. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, the idea the, the idea is fair. The top two, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawcheck, I think could be a really fun one-two duo. A lot to prove. A lot to prove. Nothing you can necessarily hang your hat on yet. But I, I hope to see that duo perform this year. A lot of their success is going to rely on that offensive line. I think there's there's a fair number of questions on the OL. Um, you hit on them, Stephen. I think you know the the transfer and Rouse. You got to see how that translates. Um, love love having a senior in the room. Beedenbow seems to you know thrive more with upperclassmen, but doesn't it's not always a sure thing. Um, Guyton, same thing. Like the the potential is there. He's a monster. Uh, you hope you, you hope to see that translate. I actually feel slightly better. Even again, maybe I'm I'm sharing my rubric very plainly here of like I'm betting on potential um, versus floor. I kind of like the tackles more than the interior. Hmm. I was not thrilled with Matwire last year. Um, Andrew Rame such a wild card, and then at right guard is Schaefer probably. Um, I no. don't even know at this point. Caleb Schaefer, yep, he's probably as that transfer. So, yeah, he's there. Um, got the App State gay guy too. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I I don't love M- McCade. I don't love Andrew Rame. I think they're. I'm a little unsure about either of them. So I'd give a slight edge to the uh, to the tackles. But again, there's there's a lot of ifs in that evaluation. The last one is really hard for me because I'm probably an over-enthusiastic Dylan Gabriel hater. Um, I think he's, you said it well, Steven, he's, you know what you got with him. I think he's very serviceable. Um, It's hard for me to like put him at the top three position group because I think it has a very firm ceiling and that it is a fairly low ceiling. Um, Good enough to win games good should be good enough to win games but what's hard is i feel worse about the wide receiver group uh there's a lot there's even more question marks in the tight end room i feel like especially after what ou's been able to get out of tight ends over the last decade right that's been such an important position for ou that this year feels very very unsure um so i'm going to reluctantly agree with the quarterback um like you said, you know what you're getting. Um, I, but man, like how many games legitimately, how many games before the student section is chanting for Jackson Arnold? One, one. maybe two. <laughs> one. <laughs> right or wrong, I'm not saying it, but it's going yeah. to happen. Like this the this the second time or maybe third time Gabriel overthrows somebody in a yeah. close game, the chance are gonna come. That's it, the hardest part with him, right? He does he does a lot of things really well, but the overthrows are so persistent and yep. so loud when they happen. That there's so many drives that stalled because of that yep. specifically last like, season. He'd throw it right to the guy, but unfortunately, five feet yeah taller he'd than see the him. guy. He saw it. He saw the opening. <laughs> he made the right read, just didn't get it there. Yeah, that's uh, you know, you think it's that's something you work on, but hey, you know what? I'm just me. So, um, I would say, I mean, like I think all of us have, besides Justin, uh, you mentioned you having the running backs on your list because you had high ceiling, especially for 
what we obviously know in Javante Barnes, uh, serviceable, serviceable back. Gavin Sawchuk, we've seen his potential in the Florida State game. That was fun. Yep. He did put the ball on the ground, and that sucked for him because uh, they were looked like, again, gonna, like I mentioned this last week, go, go up two scores. Um, and then, of course, looks pretty cool. Uh, spring game stuff, whatever. Uh, Dalen Smothers looked pretty cool on that one run that he was actually, you know, actually, actually got to run the ball and not get stuffed in the backfield uh, with a club on his hand. Uh, <laughs> and I and I think he will probably actually get some snaps. I'm not sure yeah. if does Dalen Smothers get more snaps than Tawi Walker in a Brent Venables run team. You're talking about this season? Yeah. I don't think so. You think Dalen Smothers gets I love I love Dalen Smothers, but I I mean Tawi Walker just physically built better um, yeah. at the moment. You have to remember okay. Dalen Smothers didn't play football a senior year because he transferred and there's a transfer rule, and I think was it Virginia or somewhere in the East yeah. Coast that he couldn't play that season. So uh he is a little bit behind developmentally, but I think the upside's obviously there. But this season it just doesn't feel like unless something goes catastrophically wrong, that he'll see the field too much. That seems fair. Uh, so I, I totally get the running backs, but yeah, I've been a critic of the wide receivers, definitely the tight ends. I mean, you have Austin Sogner and then hurt guys, even a guy that's still hurt with a club, an actual like mega man club playing. Um, so that's, that's, um, you know, you gotta be concerned about the tight end room. And so it leads you to basically your, you kind of by deductive reasoning, your your top three for the most part um which is quarterbacks and the offensive line but running back room looks does look promising i would say i like the i like the tackles i mean bill beatenbo has a very proven track record of putting tackles in the nfl yearly uh within the first three rounds uh heck like uh harrison was a first rounder this year was he not yeah he was and, the first first rounder i think yeah, um, and I I expected I expected Harrison to go maybe second round, so I was really glad to see him go first. And again, it's another notch on the belt for Bill Biedenbo. Uh I trust that hit their evaluation of Walter Rouse is correct. Um, I I like other pieces that they already have there, and then of course we've got to like Guyton. He played a lot, and I think offensive tackle for me is the first and foremost kind of thing. Cause that's a beat em both thing. He's gotten those dudes millions of dollars in the NFL regardless, uh, because he produces them at a high rate and they perform at a high rate. Oftentimes they are the leaders, um, of the, uh, of, of the actual ratings after the game. Second, I would say quarterback, because like you said, I mean, running backs inexperienced. Sure. Um, I mean, Dylan Gabriel, you know, you're getting, uh, he will throw awesome deep balls occasionally that will wow you. And he will miss wide open guys sometimes, and he will overthrow guys sometimes. And you kind of, and, and like, again, you kind of have to live with that. I mean, people that are like sad and upset about it, maybe forgot the way Nate Hibble threw the ball. Maybe they forgot the way. <laughs> maybe they forgot the way Paul Thompson Paul threw Thompson. the ball. Yes. Maybe they forgot the, the way Brett Bomar uh, read defenses, or Trevor Knight threw the ball with the yeah. nose pointing down. The Trevor Knight Blake Bell era. I mean, people have such a, and this is going to sound blasphemous to you to OU fans, and that's fine. I don't care. 
Um, go back and look at Josh Heupel in the early 2000s, before and after the injury in 2000, when they won the national title. Yep. Those balls, those are not strikes today. Those don't work in the spread offense today. Those, A lot of those were lame ducks that happened to be caught by Andre Wolfolk and Antoine Savage. Um, and they were a heck of a receiving core, of course, but that's for Wolfolk switch sides of the ball, of course. Um, so you know what you're getting, Dylan Gabriel. And then you already know that you have your young talent. That is this the the heir apparent uh, in Jackson Arnold already on campus. Um, and then so then you go to next. Uh, I don't like the tight ends. I like the running backs, but I lean more towards the interior offensive line. Uh, they've got guys that I like. Get they've got guys that have experience that I feel like just need to spend more time in the weight room. Uh, I, I think a lot of their issues came from their physicality, lack thereof, uh, lack of being healthy. The best ability is availability, and that's also has been an issue. So let's hoping on that they don't have injury issues. And I think there's some competition there with the most recent transfers. Like you said, Caleb Schaefer, I forget the kid at App State, but heck, I think I, I read somewhere, I think today ESPN rated him as a top uh, 20 transfer uh, to OU. And then, of course, uh, Brendan Thompson was one of those guys as well, um, who, again, doesn't really move the needle for me on, for the wide receivers. Let's let's go to defense. And, Justin, because you got to do offense second, I'm coming to you for defense first. Who are your top three groups? The top one, I think, is probably the easiest selection of this whole this whole exercise, and that's the safety group, especially if you lump in, in Cheetah with it. Sure. It's hard not to be optimistic about this group. Probably as optimistic as an OU fan could be about the safety group in some time. Like how we've gone through so many years. Is Justin Burrow still on the team? No. He right? tried. Yeah. Buki there. I saw him in the, in the spring practices. <laughs> oh. uh, I yeah, just how many years has that just been the constant weakness? Yeah. But you look at it now with Billy Bowman. Key Lawrence, who had a lot of good moments. Gentry Williams as a sophomore. Connie Walker. Like, not only are they good at, at like a starting level, but there's there's some depth. Like the two deep is really good at safety. I think that's that's super exciting. Um, it it's such a different it's such a different place to be in as an OU football fan to not have to worry about a team blowing the top off your defense because you can't trust anyone who's playing at safety because they run a four, eight 40. And so I, I'm excited to watch that group work. So that's, that's my number one. Um, I didn't even talk about cheetah in that group, but I think there, I think there's, there's plenty of guys to be optimistic about watching it in that group as well. Um, Peyton Bowen. I didn't even mention either. That's another one, right? That, that has, um, opportunities in the secondary with this mm -hmm. unit as well looking elsewhere i think linebacker is another group this one's betting probably more on potential going back to how i made some of my yeah. offensive selections um jaron koenig still gets the like optimism card for me um i think had some up and down moments last season obviously came in very highly touted do you hear the quotes about like he didn't even know what he was doing last year like that that's exciting heading into year two where he should know what he's doing assuming he can know what he's doing 
I think that that gives you a lot to be excited about heading into this year. Um, Danny Stutzman, you need to see it. Again, another guy that I think is maybe more exciting as like a fan favorite than what he's actually put on tape. He had some really good moments, but he had some really bad moments. You want to see more consistency from him as he heads into his junior year and a little bit of depth there is too with um, McKenzie. I'm excited to see maybe get some more burn. Um, again, another highly touted recruit coming in looks the part you, you want to see him put that, put that on tape. And I think he'll, he'll have more of an opportunity to do so this year. Last um, man, it's hard with you splitting the, the D line. Um D line is that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> D line is a is a strong group. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go interior. I think Isaiah Coe is a guy that that I'm pretty high on. I think he's he's shown some 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 nice flashes. I think he's got the body type. He's he's a little bit bigger. I think some of the transfers that they've gotten on that part on that part of the football uh, with Sears and Lacey could contribute. Um, I liked what I saw from Jordan Kelly in flashes too. another guy that's like been around and just kind of hasn't performed. Like I felt like he started to come on a little bit last season. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year as well. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, starting from the top, I think it's easy. The safeties, uh, there's just so much talent there returning. Um, with Billy Bowman, um, a guy like I'm Key so Lawrence hesitant. I'm so hesitant to say. Like I'm, I'm hesitant to say safeties because we've been been hurt before. Emotionally hurt damaged. Before. Yeah, I'm so, also realizing I talked about Gentry Williams as a safety and Connie Walker, which they are not. Um, but. There's a that's, lot. That's neither here nor there. There's a lot of defensive backs. <laughs> yeah. That's all the same. Like Robert Spears Jennings is a guy that I think a yes. lot of people are excited about. Obviously missed the spring with the injury, but um, yeah. another guy that like Reggie Pearson, another huge addition, I thought, um, over the offseason. So there's just so much to like there. I think the floor is pretty steady. Um, linebackers, I'm kind of hesitant because we don't know what that second linebacker is going to look like. But Danny Sussman, obviously a guy when he's healthy, when he's rested, plays very well. Um, you kind of look at the talent in the room and it kind of seems like he'll probably get more rest this season. Than they did last season uh, with Jaron Kanick, obviously there. Um, Kobe McKenzie is a guy that I think a lot of people like. Uh, he's got that nice, like really deep Ray Lewis stance. Uh, so, I mean, just a throwback linebacker. Uh, defensive ends would probably be my, my third there because I'm not, I'm not huge on the interior. But a guy like Rondell Bothroyd is a huge addition. Um, Trace Ford is a huge addition. Uh, PJ Adabare or Adaboare uh, is a huge yeah. addition there. So I feel there like the talent is on the outside. I, I'm not a big fan of the interior defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I was hesitant about the interior, especially when they mentioned Jonah Laulu uh, was going through the interior. I got. I got not excited about that <laughs> news. Uh, that that kind of suggests stuff, and I, I, you know, I'm I'm so su- I'm surprised linebacker isn't doing it for me because I have question. I have so many question marks about it. I mean, yeah, sure you got Danny Stutzman, but I mean the guy, he wasn't he was on autopilot for the majority of yeah. last season, and it wasn't good autopilot. I mean, of course, they're still learning the. It was sort of learning the defense and him as the sole middle linebacker there, um, making a lot of the calls 
has a lot of responsibilities and in the first year of a brand new defense instead of a defense that just says hey drop back hey blitz hey do this you know like it's very complex so i expected growing pains um and i mean yeah sure yeah he came on in the bowl game fantastic cool i'm glad you played well in the bowl game marcus major plays well in bowl games um so we'll see how well that pans out during the regular season and so there's that and then you have the young guys i mean jaron canick again we talked about it last week we talked about it this to today still kind of like no, I, i'm not i don't want to use the word amateurish but he's still learning the game. He's still a student of the game. Um, and he came from a school where he primarily played offense as running back. But, I mean, he played both ways, especially if you need a guy that's going to truck eight people on the other side of the game that everybody saw that highlight. That was always fun. I'm, yeah, I don't like the idea of having one solid guy. If Shane Witter, who is not going to see the field, he's like, you're you you would rather have you know oh what's his name that pe- people like to crap on back in the day as a walk on when you would come on uh, I mean like the kid from Tulsa yes I forgot his name see he's a walk on <laughs> you know but people played, would crap right? on, he, people would crap there. on it because they didn't have like real experience or the bodies. And so then you have, and that, that was just simple defense. This is like complex stuff that they need to learn. This is the most pivotal position in a Brent Venables defense. And I don't know if you hand those keys off to a Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, or, you know, Shane Witter, who's been there because of injury issues or Jaron Kanick, who is just now learning how to play linebacker. Um, he knows how to play football, but does he know how to play Brent Venables linebacker? Danny Stutzman's getting there. So, of course, they go safety cheetah first. The for the all the reasons you both just said. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, we haven't gosh. even talked about McCullough at all, and he's he's an important part. Of yeah, McCullough. I mean, like that. That's that's he's a he was the, one of the if not the best, definitely top five transfer overall. Um, especially yeah. for Oklahoma in general. Of course, it's their best transfer overall. I mean, he does a lot of things for you. He's long, uh, athletic. He's like six foot six. His wingspan is longer. Uh, he's built. Uh, I mean, like you have so many guys at safety. You can pick and plug Billy Bowman. You can, like you mentioned, Steven, yeah, Reggie Pearson. Uh, you have so many guys. Key Lawrence is an afterthought for a lot of people for some reason. It's yeah. wild to think like that. And so I put safeties in Cheetah first. Strictly because of the talent that's there. Justin Harrington, another guy that people, you're going to see his name being called. This is where you. I, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> gosh, the, <laughs> where I start to get a little bit more iffy is, first of all, I, I'm, I'll say something that I think uh, I also agree with Stephen is the, the defensive ends and the edges. You've got a lot of talent coming in. Rondell Bothroyd's the actual guy. Like he's Rondell Bothroyd is going to be an actual guy that sets the edge, but he's also going to rush the passer, get sacks. Uh, you've got, you know, Trace Ford. Like you said, PJ Adeboroare. Uh, you've got a lot of dudes in there. Marcus Stripling can still play football. Uh, he's got two legs and two Mason arms Thomas. and a body and a helmet. Yeah. So our Mason Thomas, too. Our Mason yep. Thomas, who they love. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I think you do defensive end edge. And my where my crux is is defensive tackle 
or do I want to say cornerback? Because defensive tackle, you got Jordan Kelly. I like the big body, and I like the fact that he stayed another year. Isaiah Coe, I think, is underrated. Uh, I, I'm not sure what Jacob Lacey brings to the table. I knew he was undersized at Notre Dame, and I don't know how much of an issue that's going to be at OU. Uh, that was the reason why he couldn't get into games at OU, uh, at Notre Dame. He he said he was going to transfer like three games into the season. And Devon Sears, maybe. I don't know. Uh, he's an unknown from Texas State, but he had a lot of high-profile universities after him. So that's a name to look after. So I look at cornerbacks, and I say, all right, cool. Yeah, Jay, uh, Jaden Davis transferred. What does that mean to me? Uh, well, I saw the spring game. I saw last season. I know Woody Washington's a... It's, it's going to be your cornerback one. Who's again? Who's going to be two? Well, you have a lot of guys to choose from. A lot of guys specifically with high caliber of uh, athletic ability. You got Gentry Williams already there. You Peyton Bowen would be a guy. Uh, Makari Vickers, who would you think would play safety, can play anywhere. You put him in the backfield and be successful. Uh, the kids are good. And Jaden Davis, of course, was nicked up. Um, not getting as many reps. And then I think started to see maybe some writing on the wall of guys that were intending to take a lot of snaps. And I don't think he was included in many of those snaps into the future, especially when you're three inches shorter without cleats or four inches shorter without cleats um, uh, before you even play the game. So I'm, I'm more apt to say maybe even cornerback, uh, but it's going to be up to the defensive tackles and edges to actually make those safeties and make that secondary actually look good. And because people like to you know complain, the safeties are bad, the cornerbacks are bad. Well, is it that? Or does the quarterback have, I don't know, 10 seconds to throw? That's usually not a good indicator of where things are at on the defensive line. And so I think OU investing in those edges in particular, uh, where they can, heck, just throw all the edges in as, as they want, it is good news for them, uh, especially as as they go and continue to blitz. So now I just want to know if you just like pulling teeth. What are your top three groups on both sides of the ball put together? So if I said, hey, offense, defense, what are your top three units? Who you who are your units that you can most depend on? What are you guys thinking? Yeah, I think I'm keeping number one still cheetah safety. Wow, I was gonna say the same. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of. Is that hopium? Is that hopium there? Is that hopium or is that just talent? It's hopium, and I I just feel like there's just more talent there than any other position. Which is, I mean, that's insane to say after what we watched the past 15 years. Exactly. Does, Does talent translate to execution? Do you think ideally? Sometimes it doesn't. Trade that goes purchase. back. That goes back to the recruiting discussion earlier. Yep. I, I think it. You know. You hope it does. Um. I think you've seen small flashes from a lot of these guys. Spring game. It's hard to make too big of a, a judgment off spring sure. game, as we as we know all too well. Um. I think the depth in that position though is is exciting. Like you're good at the top, but the two deep is is really strong, and that that has not been the case where that position group specifically, it's like, maybe you've got a guy that's serviceable, but if they get hurt, it's game over, right? That's the LSU peach bowl where your, your solid secondary is not present. 
and it was a bloodbath. You have Justin Jefferson versus Justin Broyles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just not the ideal matchup. Just not, no, not what you're hoping for. That's so crazy that, that any of that even actually happened. I try to think it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Safety cheetah. I think the biggest thing for me is that you look at this group, it's a group that can obviously cover, but they can also come up and, and play the run because you have Tassan McCullough, you have Billy Bowman, who's shown he's he can come up and, and defend the run. So um, it's a very versatile group as far as, you know, bodies. So, like, you can you, you can play different schemes, essentially. You can rotate a lot of guys in and out. So that's, that's the number one for me. What would you – well, what's what, what's your number two? If you had to give one, quarterback, just because it's just you know everything about it, pretty much. I don't. I mean, talent wise, I think it'd be number three, but yeah. I don't think floor is probably easier with quarterback, and then number three would be defensive ends, just because there's so much talent there as well. Just so, what about you? Uh, my head goes to the lines. Um, sure, both on both sides of the ball. Um, if, if we're getting more specific, like I think maybe it's, um, I, I maybe give, I probably give defensive line the edge over offensive line. Um, I don't want to split them out in this scenario because that gets much harder to do between tackles and edge and interior and exterior uh-huh. line. Uh, but I, yeah, you, you, you feel pretty good about the lines on both sides, both sides of the ball heading into next season. I think Bedenboe has the track record to have earned that trust in the offensive line, no matter kind of who he's rolling out. It's something that we're probably going to start game one and everyone's going to be complaining about the line and forget that every single year this happens, (laughs) the the line gets better throughout the season and they'll probably do so again this year. Defensively. I think it's, it's an important year for the defensive line, right? Like with, with Todd Bates, You've seen what he can do on the recruiting trail Um, last year, pretty up and down with actual on-field performance. I think now that you're starting to get a a new rotation of guys in, you're not running out the Alex Grint special on the defensive line as much anymore. What can that actually do? What can that group actually put on film this season? So you hope that the season ends and you still have the, the defensive line in that top three units. I think it's fair. Are you a Todd Bates truther now? Todd Bates truther? No, it's, no, it's I wouldn't Twitter, go. Twitter is uh, <laughs> not about. Were you it right a now. Were you a yeah. Calvin Thibodeau truther too? <laughs> <laughs> what was the guy? You know who I'm a truther on? Uh, the guy that left to go be like an analyst for the Packers. I can't even remember his name now. Was it Mungun- Jerry Montgomery? Jerry Montgomery. Yeah. I'm a Jerry remember, Montgomery. Truther. I was. I remember. I was kind of bummed the day that I saw that come across my Twitter feed, and then um, I remember. I remember him tweeting live during uh, what's his face's commitment to UCLA. Who was that offensive lineman that committed to UCLA that never? Warrior Boku. Little... Yeah, Warrior Boku, uh, or Boko, whatever it was, and and. Um, I remember Montgomery tweeting out like live during his commitment because the morning of you got like caught of something like weird was happening. And um, he was like, come on, big dog, make the right decision, like live on Twitter. And then of course he goes to UCLA because he takes, he took his football career seriously. And then uh, I think he transferred not that long later. Oh, you didn't want his brother. So, 
But uh, yeah, uh, gosh, Jerry Montgomery. He got um, the other five star, Ricky DeBerry. Who yeah, that was his claim to fame. Yeah, it ended up at uh, some some something state. UCF. He ended up at a couple couple. He ended up at a couple <laughs> places. Yeah, he ended up at a few places. I uh, I mean, he did he did a good job. With, don't get me wrong, he did a good job with the 2013 crew they had. I mean, but that 2013 defense is actually pretty good. So I got them to the Sugar Bowl. Um, I don't know how I felt, felt about Jerry Montgomery. <laughs> I mean, at least the recruited Jackie Ship was Jackie Jackie Ship. Yeah, Jackie Ship was going out on re- recruiting ships, but those recruiting ships were actually just like, <laughs> um, not trips to recruit recruits. They were uh, he, he was Call doing things. He was doing things. That's how how about that? Let's we'll leave it at that. He's doing things and seeing people. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like top group. I, I think like as far as talent, you got to go safety cheetah. I like ah. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say quarterback. I'd say the potential's there, but I wouldn't wouldn't say where they're at court currently. I like the tackles just because of Bill Beatabo's track record. Still sticking around with that. And then I don't know, tackles and defensive end edge, those are pretty close to me. Um, even though I really trust Rondo Bothroyd and Trace Ward if he can stay healthy, uh stripling all those other dudes. I thought I think a lot of people when the announcement was made, kind of surprisingly, I think when that announcement was made, people assumed, hey, the SEC is going to go to an east-west format, and then both Alabama schools, Auburn and Alabama, are going to be pushed to the SEC East in lieu of Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC West, which would formulate somewhat of a uh, actually pretty fair sec where you have you know oklahoma texas a&m lsu arkansas on one side then on the other side you have alabama florida georgia right uh those three on the other side seems pretty balanced as far as money and fandom yada yada and that is not what it has come to fruition immediately as soon as those talks started to be actually begin um so what kind of schedule do you guys prefer? First of all, the, the one that's of course being floated out. What the, the first were pods. Then it was this, then there's this idea where they're having a nine game schedule of you have your three main opponents you play every single year. Um, and then you're just rotating in six other opponents uh, year in year out, or you have eight game, eight conference games a year. And then, but same thing, but you, except you have one main opponent and you rotate several seven games in and out uh, every year. Steven, what is your preference to that scheduling? I think the three main opponents is probably where I would go because it gives you what OU Texas, obviously every year. Yep. Uh, I think OU Arkansas would be another one. I think would be, it would just make sense because of travel time. Also, uh-huh. OU Arkansas, I think, would be a pretty good rivalry. You can go see where Baker Mayfield ran from the cops. Um, <laughs> what if it was Mizzou instead? Mizzou, I think it would be good. It just wouldn't be Arkansas. There's technically, there's technically a rivalry there. There's technically yeah, a rivalry Chase between Daniels. OU and Mizzou. There used to be a peace pipe. Yep. <laughs> I knew that was because of the NCAA football. Yes, back exactly. <laughs> 
that's why they are needed desperately back. Yeah, I mean, OU Mizzou would make sense too, just because of just proximity. So, I mean, the three main opponents, it's just so you give your fan base some easy road trips every year. Sure. That yeah, makes sense. I, I, like the, I like the three because I love the idea of Arkansas. Um, you have to have Texas, right? Like, if there's one, it's got to be OU Texas. Anything else would be a travesty. Three gives you some options. I love Arkansas. I lived in Arkansas for six years. Dick, Dixon Street is excellent. Like OU fans would have a great time going on road trips to Arkansas. I also learned during my time in Arkansas. It's that, one big cousin party? Well, no, no. Um, <laughs> watch out for the mashed potatoes, though. The, the thing I learned about Arkansas is that Arkansas fans hate OU <laughs> so it's much. True. And Good. it... it kind of it was shocking to them that i was like it's like the madman gif of i hate you i don't think about you at all like that's the relationship yeah. with ou and arkansas like they they I, I think there's a little brother complex and big brother didn't even know he had a little brother um that would be fun to actually get to like engage in that and get yep. to because they have the same uniforms basically yeah right like they're yeah. the same i think arkansas sees themselves on a similar plane as ou somehow um and it would be fun to remind them often that that's not the case mizzou I, the history is cool it, that's the one that excites me the least honestly sure sure i'd rather have a and m because because there's actual like hatred there missouri is like fake hatred um mm. It was fun for a few years with Booger Daniel and, and things like that. Like it, it got fun for a minute, but it's just kind of meh. And there's actually too many memories of OU like getting beaten when they shouldn't have in Missouri yep. that, that haunt me still. I think it makes sense. I actually wouldn't mind like for the third one, like give me something random, like give me something off the ball. Like let's start a rivalry cool. with, Auburn, yeah, Auburn would be fun. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, would be kind of cool. No, um, no, too many cowbells. I can't, can't, <laughs> too many cowbells. not doing, not doing that crap. Um, like, I'd be down for something new, right? Rather than just like rehashing old opponents, the the three a, gives you the option to to explore a little bit. If, if I had, if I had the choice, I would choose a Florida school as that third one. Yeah. That would be fun too. Uh for recruiting purposes. Yeah. You you get in the state of Florida every single every other year at least. Yep. A little jump man uh, showdown with the Gators. I mean, I mean, I mean with the new Big 12 schedule, they ensure Oklahoma doesn't go to the state of Texas unless it's a Red River shootout. Yep. And they don't go to Florida either. Correct. Uh so <laughs> I think that the thing that's interesting. Of course they do go to Ohio, so that's nice. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you, it's got to be OU Texas. I mean, if it's not an SEC West, SEC East thing, as of course it's not going to be. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody, anybody's really in favor of the one seven, one seven seven. I think a lot of people would prefer the at least a pot of three. You know, you're going to play. Gives, like you said, Stephen, fans, regional uh, travel variances, which are pretty easily, easily easy commutes, especially for an SEC kind of fan base that is going to be needed. Uh, so OU Texas, I mean that that's a given. You wish you wish it's Ar- Ar- Arkansas, right? You, we feel like Fayetteville, that'd be a great time. 
uh, especially OU fans in Tulsa. It's a great travel. It's an easy way. It's an easy travel. I mean, Arkansas has been taking people from t- Tulsa. Maybe OU can go to Fayette, uh, people from Tulsa and go to Fayetteville instead. Um, and um, it reminds you of the Big Eight and the Southwest Conference being just merged and then Arkansas going somewhere else. Uh, and there's a lot of hate there. There, there definitely is a lot of hate. And I mean, I, I remember still watching that terrible cotton bowl between OU and Arkansas and Rocky Kalmus's helmet getting stuck uh, with some other poor defender uh, or some poor offensive player that was much shorter than him. Uh, I feel, I feel like it would be Missouri. I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense just because the big 12 stuff, but uh, I would, if, if it became Oklahoma, let's say I say Florida because you play in Florida at least once every single year and Texas and they said, Hey, you have three choices, A&M, Missouri, or Arkansas. I'm taking away Missouri immediately. And I'm saying, I'm saying no, giving that one the middle finger. Uh, and then if it's between Arkansas and A&M, I want to go play the 12th man. I want to go to college station. Send me there. Yes. Is it going to be hard to win? Cause they are reeling in talent because they have the amount of money to do so. Sure. Is it going to be fun and interesting beating Jimbo Fisher and his greasy track suit, whatever things he wears? Yeah. Uh, is it going to, yeah, gosh, uh, he, he's terrible. Uh, I feel like he's probably killed somebody. Maybe I can see it. That's what no. makes him him. That's why Brian makes Kelly already did it. Speak. It's already it's, it's it's already it's already happened. Uh, but no, uh, you know I, I prefer A and M if that's the case. But at the same time, that's kind of Texas mo. So yeah. then at the same time, I would rather play Arkansas if that's the case. I don't know. Somebody close for the love of God. LSU. Just somebody close. I, go... I'd be even down for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin? Yeah. The Grove? You just want somewhere where you can learn how to tailgate. Ole Miss it is. Ole Miss it is. Fayetteville, (laughs) Ole Miss, and like Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. Because Gainesville is just one big giant trailer park next to a swamp. (laughs) I mean, the stadium is called the swamp and everybody's wearing jorts. That is true. And, And probably those wallet chains, too. (laughs) <laughs> you know how they do it um ucf fans something back. hey limp biscuit's gonna get popular again <laughs> one day okay uh he's an up and come right here ucf fans super confident speaking of florida super confident uh, i saw some guys say he was like this dylan gabriel the seventh best quarterback in the big 12 and they included two of kansas quarterbacks Thought that was fun. And uh, they think they legitimately have a shot at winning the Big 12 this coming year. Uh, Steven, I'm coming to you for this one first. You got, you got any advice for these folks? Um, yeah. One thing you want to do when you enter the Big 12, if you're going from G5 to P5, is you're going to learn that your bodies in the trenches are not going to hold up. It's just a different world. That's the, that's the biggest difference between the G5 and the P5 is the, the trenches, right? So offensive line, defensive line, sure, in a bowl game, you get one game, you can probably make it through that. But if you're going through an entire season with that, that roster and that offensive line, 
it's probably not going to hold up. Like you might win one big game or so, but you're eventually going to wear it down and that's, it's, you're going to crumble. So for like UCF, I don't really see it. Like it's going to take them a while to beef up. So like, they've it's got, cool. hey, they have but they've got brand new, they have brand new golden helmets. Okay. Those are they cool are for that. Thank goodness for that. But where it matters is going to be in the trenches. And I, I just don't see them lasting that entire season in the big 12. Yeah. I, I agree. I was thinking like they could steal a game and their fan sure. base will overreact to that, which is fine. That's yeah. what fan bases should do. Uh, but then I could totally see just getting like worked by a team like Kansas State or yeah, something like yeah. that. Like somebody that that is just not not the super super teams of the Big 12, but just so sound and solid that could just give them a dose of something that they they're not ready for and not expecting. I think there's going to be multiple moments like that. I could see it. I could see it happening with Kansas state. I could see it happening with like, is it even a team like Texas tech? Like one that you're overlooking that you're not expecting um, to, to provide that type of resistance. Cause sure. to your point, Steven, like going up to this level, you've got to be ready every game um when you're making that jump and i think ucf's probably not used to having to do that and this is this is what i don't get ucf fans when they when they were bitter that dylan gabriel left they're like oh he's not ready he's he's g5 he's not ready for power five football especially at oklahoma uh where you know the, the receivers are usually better than the cornerbacks and stuff like that um and then they the same exact people are saying Hey, you know that G five. It doesn't mean anything. We won a national title. We went twelve and zero <laughs> under Josh Heupel. Okay, we could totally come in and compete for the big they, These people, they 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 think that they like that's like that's a legitimate thing. Uh, led by Gus Malzahn, uh, they think they will be an immediate force. And I'm surprised. I like I am I I know they're a confident bunch. I definitely know that. Uh, just by interacting and following uh, some folks on Twitter, yeah. they're certainly a confident bunch. But my goodness, I was I was I was not expecting that, especially the whole oh, Dylan Gabriel's seventh in the Big Twelve as far as quarterback. Incredible. I mean, despite having a, I mean, we can we can gripe about his overthrows. Uh, guy put up good stat lines last year, especially considering all the three and outs. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Uh, so is Dylan Gabriel, but it's five feet high. Anyways, uh, so game day tradition, speaking of the SEC, what is OU's game day tradition? Is it the drum major in the middle of the field after tailgating? Is that the game day tradition along with Crazy Train? What What is the game day tradition? Oh, God. <laughs> forgot about Crazy Train. Last year, someone tipped us off, and they're like, hey, Crazy Train's gone. I talked to the DJ. I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's amazing news. That's, that's big time. First game, crazy train. So it's got to be a tradition at this point. <laughs> I did like they they changed some things up last year. They they were they willing tried. to try new things. There was, I can't remember if it was a like an OU Daily article or or somebody like did an interview with the new kind of head of musical entertainment. I forget yep. what his exact title was, and like he was down to shake things up. I think you appreciate that. He tried. I think he was on Twitter What's, asking for suggestions. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. not good, but yeah. Right. <laughs> if you're a DJ. 
Just give him the odds yeah. cord, bro. <laughs> Game day traditions. I mean, tamed tailgates. Obviously, yeah. private. Get pay, they get to pay for uh, it. Traffic is another good one. <laughs> Boomer Center is probably the, the most authentic one, right? Yeah. There's some, like, there's yeah. good stuff that happens during the game and, like, the game day run up. Like, when you're in the stadium, I think it's everything else that's just kind of underwhelming. Yep. Um, the stadium walk is a nice addition. I've actually never gone to it, so the I walk can't. Of cha- is, it the, is the walk the of champions? Walk of champions. Is it, yeah. Is it, didn't they steal that from Bama or something like that? Probably. Yeah. It it's cool. Usually it looks cool. Make makes for good. Yeah, it is usually really hot. Makes for cool like social content. Sure. Um, the tailgating scene though, it's gonna be such an eye opener. Like the worst SEC school probably has a better tailgating scene than OU does currently. Vanderbilt is going to come in and norm be like these peasants. Yeah. Like (laughs) really. And I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping some of these road trips are an eye opener. Like maybe Joe C needs to see it in person needs to be in the Grove to change some things. Maybe Fully Maybe. understand why Ole Miss beat the hell out of yeah. them last year's college world baseball series yeah. as far as the amount of shots that Ole Miss fans were taking. Correct. It's a different ball game. You guys mentioned Fayetteville. Like it's it's a different it's a different environment. And it's the biggest thing is like getting it around the stadium. You have to go hunting for like good pockets of tailgating at OU. Mm-hmm. They don't make it easy. And nope. these other schools, like it is just flowing all around the stadium that makes for such a unique atmosphere that it feels so connected to the game. Whereas OU, it kind of feels like two separate things, especially mm-hmm. with the corporate white tents that they have now. Yep. Auburn has a damn Eagle fly onto a guy's hand before the game. <laughs> LSU has a tiger an actual Bengal tiger on the sideline. And sometimes when they're not going to get in trouble or catch too much flack, play neck in the stadium. (laughs) You can't discount the schooner though. Like that's, that's in the, that's in the S tier. Remember when it fell over and it looked like some old lady's purse just (laughs) flew open. (laughs) That's a perfect analogy. There was all kinds of shiny things popping on air, and ain't nobody know what's going they on. They got it cleaned up very, very. You just change the, the path of it. Yeah, just so they go right down the opponent sideline. <laughs> that would yeah, be that, insane. That'd be a good idea. I would enjoy that. That's like that's the SEC pettiness I'm here for. Yes. Like that's something that hey, add, add that to the list for new NCAA things. We get to choose where the mascot celebrations happen. I'm going to run that thing up and down the opponent's sideline. I thought you were going to say like first person schooner mode where after yes. you score, you, you're like seeing POV out the front of the schooner and you get to steer it. Yes, that's what I am advocating <laughs> for right yes. now in this moment. <sighs> Brian Kelly pushes an intern out in front of it. You know, he's not here. And that's after his Cajun accent he uh, he brings up once again. It's it's unbelievable. This guy has several accents. It's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, something, it's, it's something else. But no, like, it's, <laughs> Justin, I think, you, I think you bring up a great point. It's going to be eye-opening for fans. And 
what I hope is that it's an eye opener for Joe C. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Tennessee has come to Oklahoma and Oklahoma went to Tennessee. Oklahoma's had a partnership with going to SEC yep. schools over how many, how many last whatever years. And, uh, you know, you get your yearly dose of SEC in SEC country or in Norman. And the atmosphere was always vibrant. And that's it. And then the next thing you know, you're hosting Texas Tech, going to Kansas, going to Kansas State, going to Iowa, Iowa State. And, and then the yeah. biggest game of the year, it's not even a home game. It's not even really an away game. It's a neutral site game uh, other than Bedlam if OSU is any good that year. And, you know, it's kind of concerning, like Oklahoma, like you guys mentioned, they they're they're trying as far as traditions. Brent Venables himself is trying with traditions of walking the players from the 50 yard line to the goal line, uh, kind of doing that whole brotherhood solidarity thing that they have kind of going over at uh, K-State. That's something that he took from Snyder. Brent Venables is a really good uh, combination of Snyder, Stoops, and Sweeney. Uh, I was, I'm, I, you can see it a lot of it. Uh, but he, he, that's another tradition he's maybe trying to start with. There's nothing new. I, I'm so sick of old people. It's like they talk about traditions. It's okay to start new ones too. Like it's okay, you know. Um, but I'm worried. Like crazy train. That's what they got. The crazy train hasn't even like always been around. It I, hasn't always been around. I can't verify it. Like I can't pinpoint when it came back. Because they so, had the Gary Glitter guy before yes, everybody found exactly. out he was he was uh-huh. uh into things. Not great. Because yeah. But it was a good tradition. We're gonna beat the hell out of you. Yeah, and you and you and you that was fun. And then he went and got himself canceled. You can't quote me on this. But do you remember, it was like, I want to say like 2002-ish, there was a rap song that was like a remix of Crazy Train. No, I don't Oh, I don't yeah. Like it was like, I, I think it was like, like Twista or something like that. I don't like the sound of it. Um, And I vaguely feel like that's when Crazy Train started at OU because it was, it was like uh, back then, OU John, would never play. Trick Daddy. Trick Daddy. That's what I was thinking Trick of. Trick Daddy. Trick Daddy, not Twista. Uh, He's in there too. Oh, you at that time would not touch a hip hop track at a football game, but it was like that song was popular, and so that's when Crazy Train came on because it was like, oh, the old people like Crazy Train. So, like again, I, I can't prove this. I don't have I don't have archival notes, but I feel like it's really only been like twenty years, and like it's time to. I think it's time to move on. It is time. It is time to move on. And when and. I mean, there have been other pregame things in the past that have just faded away uh, just by sheer uh, awareness of people. So, uh, you know, there's things that happen. But it's okay to start new things as well because, like, again, Auburn has War Eagle and they have a freaking eagle fly on a guy's arm in the middle of the stadium. The Texas, you have the, the Rocky Top Tennessee the really cool like rushing between the big T as the band forms. That's awesome. Yeah. OU, it's more of like like segments. Yeah. You start here, cool, start here, cool, drum major, cool. Um, and then you put your one in the air before kickoff, and that's cool. And then you have the boom and streamer back and back and forth, right? Uh, I'm really curious to see how it stacks up and how fans realize it stacks up 
year in and year out after they played not just one SEC team, but after they played their fourth SEC team and maybe they've lost their voices because these uh, other fans are a little bit more rowdy than Kansas fans or Iowa State fans because Iowa State fans are just really nice people, to be quite frank. And SEC fans are, I wouldn't say all of them are bad, but uh, they're not the most nice fan bases because they're very competitive. So with all that being said, um, last thing uh, before we get off the pod, something that's pretty significant. Uh, This is something that happened toward the end of Bob's tenure. Um, As you could tell that Bob was in the recruiting world. Uh, That's where Lincoln Riley enters the picture uh, in 2015 after letting go Hypel, which was pretty uh, controversial at the time, especially with Josie and Boren and all that stuff, yada, yada, you guys know the story. OU was going stale at that time. And then I remember, what was it? Uh, both guys that are no longer with the program, Kale, who always wears USC stuff, and Lincoln Riley, who is in USC stuff, you know, they're, tweeting out pictures of this really crappy old car about going recruiting in California and all kinds of stuff. And recruiting starts picking up from then. And the brand stops becoming stale as it did from 2009 to 2013, 2014, especially when they were buried by Clemson in that 2014 Russell athletic bowl. And um, what does, and Stephen, I'm coming to you with this one. What, what does keep a program from going stale other than winning because programs like Alabama, they went stale because they stopped winning for so long. Programs like Texas will never go stale. Programs like Ohio state and Notre Dame, despite the fact that they will, they may suck, especially Notre Dame may suck can go six and six under Tyron Willingham and Charlie Weiss will never go stale. So what keeps a program from going stale other than winning? Because it's not just winning that matters. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's recruiting, right? Because this is college football is a talent acquisition business now. So recruiting is probably as big as it's ever been. I mean, look at Twitter. Like look at OU Twitter. People from, from Facebook are joining OU Twitter now. That's how big recruiting is. So uh, <laughs> these kids out of high school, their names are known when they're walking in the door, you know, in December or, or January or June or whatever, when they arrive on campus, like people know them. They want to go see Jaron Kanick. Jaron Kanick barely played last year. And when he did, he wasn't, you know, that great. But he's talked about. So, I mean, to keep things fresh and, and up to date, you just want big names in recruiting. He, he caused some, he cut, kid was all over the field. He made a lot of fumbles, caused a lot of fumbles. <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah. That was when we thought he might be a cheetah. Now he's a linebacker, for oh. sure. For There's sure. There's a chance. There's always I, a chance. I think it's being willing to reevaluate things. We we kind of talked about it. Not that game day traditions sure. have an impact on your program, but like it's the same mindset of like, well, this is what it's been. This is what it'll always be. That's that's where programs can go to die. I think the the teams and the staffs and the infrastructures that are willing to change, like what turnip seeds doing for OU right now is helping them not go stale there. He's coming in and he's ensuring that at least for the foreseeable future, this program is, is going to be on, on the forefront of things from a facility standpoint. I think you look at other great winning programs that have a sustained history of success and you see a willingness to like 
Bring everything you know, all the experience that got you here, but be open to new things and don't just keep doing the same thing over and over because eventually people are going to catch up. I think that's what happened to like a Bob Stoops late in his tenure at sure. OU. You look at like Patty Gasso, right? That I, I saw an interview with her earlier this week where she was talking about some of that type of stuff. She was talking about like the role of analytics and she's like, I figured I had to learn this stuff because everybody else is doing it. Like she can't just sit around and say like, no, oh, no, I don't believe in that. But right. she also said, you know, the teams that rely fully on analytics are making a mistake. Like you have to have the intuition with it. I think that willingness to adapt, but also keep like what got you in that position in the first place is what can help sustain you in the long run. You've got to be able to accept some new thinking and some new ways of doing things or you'll get left behind. And I think you, you've seen that over the history of college football where a team can have a nice run and then refusal to update can get them surpassed. I think maybe I'm not, I'm not trying to make like a sweeping claim, but like you look at like a Clemson as a team and a, a an organization that maybe needs to like update the way they think about some things or else they could get left behind. I think they're, they're on the forefront of a lot of things, but like the transfer portal comes to mind, right? Sure. Like that was a big change in college football and the teams that, it, you know, if this continues, the teams that refuse to get involved in the transfer portal, I think are, are they're going to get left behind because you can't just ignore something that's so monumental. If a team was, I mean, at the same time, though, I say it's not just winning, right? But, I mean, if a team, all they do is win, for the most part, let's say they win double digits every single year. Uh, let's say they win 10 games a year, at least. Does that keep their brand from going stale? Or does it take more than that? Every single year, you it win at least 10 games. I, I agree. I think you've you've got to get you got to get titles. Because I think that's that's OU under right. Bob Stoops. I know it. You just you just defined it. It was 10 win seasons. He and won the all narrative, he, he won all the BCS yeah. bowl games. And the narrative was they can't win the big one. Yeah. Right. They, they can make it to the title, but they're not going to win it. And that became the brand. And so, I think that's a stale brand. We're talking about championships equal not going still. Yes. Yeah. If you're winning right. championships, then whatever you're doing is working. And so if you're not winning championships, what does keep you from going stale? Adapt adaption, adaptations to yeah. your fan base, to your recruiting base, etc. I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation to have, but at the end of the day, I mean Herm Edwards said it a lot of times. <laughs> You play to win the game. Yep. And I think winning is pretty paramount to all that success for that program to not go stale. Because like you guys said, it sounded like Bob Stoops toward the end of the career, you know, 10 and two, you know, 11 and one, 11 and two, win the big 12 title, go to a BCS game, maybe win it, maybe lose it. Who knows? Depending upon who's waiting for you there. Um, but then the brand grew stale, especially under with Hypel there um, and Landry. And then enter Baker Mayfield along with Lincoln Riley, then Kyler Murray, and then all the other quarterbacks that went to New York. And that brand becomes super fun, and the uniforms start changing. Then you use your Jordan brand, and like that's another adaptation as well. Yep, exactly. Getting into Jordan brand was big. 
Jordan Brand is big among the entire world, uh, not just like young people. And so that's pretty significant for them as well. I mean, like before that, OU only had Bob Stoops in that AT&T commercial when it wasn't even his voice, right? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like that's that's some pretty big exposure, especially for, for Oklahoma folks in general. But this podcast will run a little bit long. Justin, thank you for joining us on this side of the podcast. I, I know I always see you on the OKC podcast. Yes, sir. Tell everybody where they can find everything from you, not just OU sided, but also OKC hoops. Yeah, thanks, Kami. I appreciate you guys having me on. A blast as always uh, for OU things specifically, uniform and like gear related things, like you mentioned, Jordan Brand. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sooner Tracker. If you want the same thing, but for the Thunder, you can follow me at OKC Tracker. And like Kamiar mentioned, if you're a Thunder fan, make sure you're following the uncontested because we're the best Thunder podcast out there. I I put my I put my stamp of approval on that one. I, I, I As you should. Fair. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> and and Stevo, what do you guys? It's think? the only OKC Thunder podcast I listen to. There you Is go. Is it really? Is it really? Yeah. I'm gonna print that endorsement. You should. I'm gonna put on a shirt. <laughs> We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna clip this. I'm gonna clip this, and we're gonna make it a real. See, yes. tell, yeah, see everyone knows I'm. I'm a Thunder hater for some reason. But <laughs> I will listen to the podcast. Steven's a real Thunder big fan haters' of, favorite Thunder podcast. Steven's a real big fan of Poku and his Anzan Presti. <laughs> I just want to parade in OKC. That's all I want. It's so simple. So simple. Uh, I, I would say. I, I, Steven, I'd be remiss if you wouldn't say join the Discord. Oh yeah, join the Discord. It's the only place where you can get civil Zadavion Sims discussion uh, <laughs> yeah. on the it's internet. Different. It won't be screenshotted by whatever message board geniuses. It's, it's a great place. We're talking recruiting, we're talking football, we're talking basketball, uh, softball, everything's there, so it's always a good time. I'm a happy member of the Discord great i didn't even know you were in the discord you like that now, yeah now, now i gotta figure now i gotta figure out who you are mm, what if i was just like a just prevalent just garbage like a, poster just like, like a sleeper cell <laughs> or or a garbage poster that's like like a suspected i think i can count on one hand the number of times i've actually posted but i am in there and i enjoy i enjoy reading it often it's good times it's good times well, I'm going to say the podcast name correctly at the very end of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Bud, Berry, Bob, and Beer podcast. I said Bud, Berry, Beer, and Bob, which, I mean, in real, realist, realistically, as long as you get the beer in there, everything's fine. Um, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, every every single podcast. I've even like iHeartRadio, which is weird to think that that's like a podcast app, even though with the word radio in it, but I digress. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Like Justin mentioned, you can follow him at OKC Tracker, Sooner Tracker, and, and on the Uncontested Podcast. Uh, for Steven, you can follow him at OU Update SB. Also, I will drop that Discord link in the bio of the podcast, but also on Twitter as well. Thank you guys for listening, and we will check you guys later.